Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus and this is my podcast. Because this is my podcast, that's why I called it the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. If this were a Netflix special, this would be the Shmuel Tenenhaus Netflix special. But it's not. Just another crappy podcast. Hence, the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. It's so nice to be back here. I hope you're listening with a spouse. Uh, if you are not listening with a spouse and you're on the fence about getting married, time to get married so you can listen to this podcast with a spouse. Now, uh, first of all, I want to offer my sincerest apologies for letting everybody down and not uh, recording a podcast during last week, which was Perm Week. And I have to tell you, I do have a legitimate excuse, and that is COVID. And uh, that's also why I do not have a guest on the show this week. It is COVID. And if uh, you want to push back on both excuses, I will tell you, follow the science. The science is real. COVID is real. This excuse is real. This is, by the way, the reason why millions of us, and I'm one of them, are hanging on to COVID for dear life. Uh, there are people that I know who will constantly send me screenshots of the death toll, and that is simply because COVID has been the strongest and most powerful excuse that people have had uh, pretty much in our lifetimes. Uh, maybe if you're a little older and you lived during World War II, maybe a little bigger, but uh, you can get away with anything during COVID. You could be a complete jerk. Um, and uh, it's just COVID, like, you know, it's a pandemic happening right now. So uh, we've got lots of uh, great topics to cover. Uh, the first thing is I wanted to mention that somebody in Shul told me that her family is a big fan of the podcast. And this was uh, very dear to me because the person who told me that has, I think, 10 or 11 children. And Kanina Hara, some of her children are married too. And uh, what that tells me is this is a great person to listen to my podcast because if she likes it, she will share it, and she has a massive family. Because I'm not on social media, I have to resort to uh, getting my podcast in front of people who are very fertile and have lots of children. Now, if there was somebody out there who loved my podcast, but their parents were using contraceptives or uh, just refrained from uh, having children uh, because of tuition or other reasons, then... Yeah, you can listen to my podcast, but what, are you going to share it to your WhatsApp family group? There's like seven of you on it. But again, if you have 16 or 17 kids in your family and you got a WhatsApp group uh, and the dictator of the family is the admin and somebody pops in a link, that is a lot of people listening to my podcast. Uh, so again, it's my new target demo, large families with uh, corresponding WhatsApp groups. This Purim, I dressed up like Britney Spears. And uh, this has been a lifelong dream for me. Uh, it was so good that I uh, really had a hard time when Purim was over and I had to get out of my costume. To be honest with you, uh, it actually felt like uh, for all of my life I've been wearing a costume, which is a yarmulke and tzitzis and uh, just giving off the appearance like I'm a responsible adult with children and uh, a marketing professional 
uh, uh, semi-successful. And uh, when I look at myself in the mirror, I just think, you charlatan, you. Or just complete imposter. And on Purim, when I looked in the mirror and I was wearing a schoolgirl miniskirt, knee highs, uh, blonde pigtails, with scrunchies, of course, there was just something refreshing like, aha, this is the real me. And I just, it felt like my authentic self. And it was really difficult after Purim to transition back into a costume, um, which is who I am, talking to you in a costume. Now, I will say that uh, given the opportunity that I had to dress up like Brittany for Purim, it gave me perspective that I did not have before. And I could just say, when you wear a miniskirt and you have blonde, uh, blonde pigtails, and I went to a party in the shul, our shul, not the shul, our shul, it's not the shul, it's a shul, I have to say that uh, people were ogling me and checking me out. And I kind of loved it, but at the same time, I felt like a piece of meat. And uh, I may even be featured in a, in a uh, I was going to say, I was going to be featured in a Fleischix magazine, just to plug Fleischix. Uh, that's, that's how much of a piece of meat I felt like. I did get uh, one person uh, grab me on the buttocks. And if it wasn't a Tzala member, I probably uh, would have called Tzala. Uh, but it was somebody from Tzala who grabbed my, my buttocks. And a couple other people, uh, all men, by the way, told me to shave my legs. And I guess, again, for me, the perspective was, huh, I guess this is what it's like to be a woman. Uh, people grabbing your butt and telling you to shave your legs. Um, now, uh, costume was a big hit. Uh, and I felt people were taking a real interest and paying attention and kind of thinking that I do give a dafya year, even though, uh, particularly since Yvamas has started, it is myself crying in the library of the shul, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, kudos to all my friends out there who are learning dafya and trying to keep up with Yvamas. But I was thinking, uh, people stopped coming to the shir a little while ago because of COVID, of course. And uh, perhaps to draw more people to the shear, I can give it dressed as Brittany. And I think that might be a big draw. And so uh, if there's uh, interest or demand out there for a Dafyami by Brittany, let me know and we could uh, make it happen. Like uh, the Lake with Daf and Rabbi Elephant are only so good. Uh, I think Brittany will bring insights to the Daf like nobody has before. Um, now, uh, continuing uh, right along, uh, I will say I mentioned before in a in a previous episode. I think it was still season no, it was season two, uh, just about doing household budgets, and uh, maybe it was season one. I don't know. The seasons are just flying by. Literally, it feels feels like such a long time. But I was talking about household budgeting, and one of the reasons why mint does not work and household budgeting does not work, particularly within the from community, is you kind of go along and you have your regular expenses, which is like your mortgage and your tuition. But every other week, there is a yomtif. So you have these miscellaneous expenses like Purim or Hanukkah. And these just creep along because you never expected them to happen. And like I'm doing budgets with my wife. And I'm like, 
where's this extra $1,500 coming from? And she's like, oh, yeah, of course we didn't budget that. That's for Tu B'Shvat. We, we planted a whole, uh, a whole uh, orchard of trees. That was the word I was looking for. We planted an orchard for Tu B'Shvat, and then we ordered those um, fig costumes. So, of course, there's an extra $1,500 here. It's just very hard and very inconsistent, again, as a firm person, because there's always these curveballs coming at you, these additional expenses that you didn't uh, really expect. Um, so uh, I do want to mention that, I don't know why I keep saying I do want to mention, of course I, I want to mention it and, and I want to do it, which is why I'm mentioning it, uh, that uh, a friend of mine uh, sent me a screenshot, he was ordering sheets from Brooklyn and Sheets and they said, which influencer told you about Brooklyn and Sheets? And he wrote Shmuel Tenenhaus, maybe even wrote the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Number one, shout out to my friend for doing that. Really made me feel good uh, that this website that is not paying me, has never heard about me, now potentially knows who I am. Second of all, I do want to plug Brooklyn and Sheets. Uh, so this is another uh, podcast advertiser that is not paying me money. And if everybody who's listening can go out and buy thousands of dollars worth of Brooklyn and Sheets, even if you don't need the sheets, um, and, uh, and, and put in the coupon box or the the code box there at checkout the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast you will get massive discounts uh, and they will in turn reach out to me and give me lots of money for pimping out their product on this show so Brooklyn and yeah you can buy sheets on the internet everybody's doing it uh, particularly people who are cool I want to talk to you about unhealthy habits and relationships. I have a very unhealthy relationship with hamantashen. I feel that any self-control that I have when I see a hamantash or uh, a, one of those plastic containers of them, I completely lose uh, any modicum of self-control in my being. I have a lot of theories as to why that is, but just talking about why it's so unhealthy and why potentially I do need a hamantash uh, intervention. And that is, my kids have their own hamantash and stash. They've divided it up uh, into different uh, sections and units and they have it stored uh, and they have to eat it quickly because Pesach is coming. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that last night I rifled through my kids' uh, Shalachmanah stash, looking for hamantashen. And it's been difficult all day to look my kids in the eye uh, that their father is rifling through their Shalachmanahs, seeking out hamantashen because I'm a hamantashen junkie. And I will speculate where I think there have just been two periods in time when I was growing up and as a child because when I was growing up I wasn't an adult I was a child I went not the Benjamin Button way but I was a child as a kid and the, it was there was there was uh, the Hamantashen were there were prunes in them so great idea to take on an international flight and there was poppy and then there was marmalade which is orange jam. 
those three things are enough to per- turn me off of food for weeks. Just the mention of the word marmalade makes me not hungry for a while. Somehow, at some period of time, it may have happened in the 90s, early 2000s, somebody had the idea to put chocolate in the hamantash. Somebody was like, wait a second, hamantash don't have to suck. Let's just take chocolate and put it in a hamantash. I think that is where, uh, where I started going downhill with the hamantashen. The hamantashen with the chocolate combination, I have no control over them whatsoever. The other thing I wanted to mention is I, I, I feel also just with anti-Semitism over the years and supposedly Haman's ears were in the shape of a triangle, I think. I feel like I have to do my part in getting revenge at Haman. And so just consuming those hamantaschen, particularly if there's chocolate inside of them, I am doing my part in 2022 to avenge what Haman tried to do to the Jews. Uh, it is kind of uh, freaky to me that we are eating the enemy's ears. And uh, I also think that there is um, very much the time limitation, like Pesach is coming. There's a very limited window to consume hamantashen, which in marketing, uh, we would call this a sense of urgency. So I think when I see a hamantash with chocolate inside and I know Pesach is coming, there's just a limited window to get that in. Uh, like I said, I just lose it. Um, personally, uh, I do love hamantashen. I also will say I do like this new thing that they're selling in bakeries in Crown Heights now called Stalintaschen. And those are uh, little uh, gummy gummies that are shaped like Stalin's uh, eyebrows. Uh, kind of nasty, but you got to have a Hamantash and Stalintash at the same time and take revenge over people who try to do bad things to Jews over the years. Now, we talk about, we have talked about anti-Semitism on this podcast and uh, why that's the primary reason why the podcast is not getting uh, enough downloads or exposure. But I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the opportunities that we have to combat that using Purim. I do feel that one of the things that makes Jews and Judaism so susceptible to anti-Semitism is our numbers are, our numbers are small. Uh, we're very small. Uh, you know, there's religions that have a billion people, and Jews are 14 million. Uh, you know, a per- huge percentage of those are intermarried. The ones who are not uh, are not talking to each other. Very fragmented. I think that Purim would be a great time to do customer acquisition, which is bring people aboard uh, the religion. Uh, what I'm suggesting is we go to down to Daytona where they're having spring break and they think they're having a good time. And then we make a brochure and we show them what Purim looks like, where it's just people just drinking and flat out passed out in shoal. And uh, I think I think we have a cell. We have a, a good pitch right there. It's like, here, come... Come join the Jewish religion. Uh, it, mitzvah. Mitzvah means a commandment. Here we go. For, for this time, right now, this year, uh, we have a commandment to get shit-faced. And I can even show you the source. 
to the, to the extent that we are not supposed to know uh, who is the good guy, who is the, ga- that, the bad guy. Literally, uh, if you want to join now, now is a good time because things are, things are good. And then I think, again, you'd be able to, to get a lot of spring breakers. Uh, seasonally falls out kind of Purim and spring break. We can get thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of, of young, the younger generation that are just looking to, to booze up and have a great time. And uh, we get them to, to join the ranks. You know, they're hungover a little after Purim, and then they just, you know, they, they just come to, and they're just, we have, we have bigger numbers at that point. And they don't have to stay religious after that. Um, and I think our, our numbers get bigger, and uh, I don't know what the retention rate will be, but, you know, there's always other things during the year that we, we can perk them up and, and, you know, get them back, back on track. Uh, I wanted to just boast that I read a full book from beginning to end as an adult, no pictures. Uh, I did not chop the book up, and I read the full thing from beginning to end. Uh, the book was The Choice. I think her name is Edith Eager. Somebody had sent it to me. The person who had sent it to me years ago told me that they would like to be quoted anonymously on my podcast. So there's a shout out to you. You are now being quoted anonymously on the podcast. I really enjoyed reading the book. I felt it was a good choice to read the choice. And I highly recommend it to anybody who is um, going through a rough period of time or going through a great period of time, but they know that bad things are going to happen to them and they're going to need the strength and the wherewithal to get through it. Uh, the choice, great book. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Hatzalah and why it's so great to have in the community. We, my family has called them multiple times, Baruch Hashem, they're here very quickly. And uh, another thing that Hatzalah does really well is, uh, and I've seen this a couple of times, is if you have somebody, an adult, who is drinking too much on Shabbos or who will have an edible for the first time and they are in the back of the shul in the library trying to figure out if time just completely stopped or if they're dying. Why do we have to go outside and call an ambulance when we can have our own Atzala members come to the rescue and it's not a Chilo Hashem. We keep it in-house. And the other thing is, it's like when you know that there's a Atzala member in shul, and you're thinking, should I have an extra l'chaim or two or three? You know, maybe this is dangerous. No, it's not dangerous. It's responsible at this point because there's Hatzalah members right there to catch you if something happens. Uh, with regards to some of my personal bad habits, I ha- I'm having a little of a dilemma right now. And that is, on the one hand, I am thinking about taking a break from cannabis. You know, just, you know, potentially just cut it out from my life for a half a day or, you know, just a, a meal. You know, just skip it like, like I would a meal and just get back to it in the, in the evening. On the other hand, I was recently told that there is a young person married in our community, extended community, let's say, who is selling cannabis and I can't say 100% but I, I'm pretty sure that person needs Parnassa 
And so on the one hand, I want to you know, take a break from cannabis, but on the other hand, somebody in my community needs to make a living and they are, you know, a nice Jewish family. So I'm really not sure what to do about this right now. And now an ad read. Um, do you like to buy stuff online, but at the same time, the neighbors that live next to you on your block have way more Amazon boxes in front of your house than you do. So you kind of look like a schlepper because they have like 20 boxes and you have like two boxes at the end of every day. Well, now Amazon has a new program called Amazon Empty Boxes. What it does is you spend, you pay an extra $10 a month and they will just send you empty boxes. They will fill it up with kind of rocks and sand. So when you pick it up, it's not obvious to your neighbors. So just go to amazon.com forward slash empty boxes. Use coupon code the Schmuel Tenant House Podcast, and perhaps I'll get a cease and desist from Amazon Legal Team. Now, there are plenty of us out there who are pessimistic about society and the direction we are going as a culture. And while I understand where this fear and discomfort is coming from, I wanted to tell you that there is reason to be hopeful. The other day, I walk into my room and my dear children are watching a TV show, a series on Netflix titled, Is It Cake? What the show is about is people create cake that looks like a purse or a sneaker. Sometimes it's real cake, sometimes it's a real sneaker. The contestants have to guess, is it cake? And then the judge or the host cuts into it and you will see, is it cake? Or maybe it's not cake, maybe it's just a sneaker. You see where I'm going with this? Things are advancing because hundreds of years ago, my ancestors had no food. People also didn't even know what cake was. They also, if you would just go over to them randomly and just say, is this a shoe? Is this cake? They'd think you're out of your mind. My kids, though, are one, have cake, right? They have cake at birthday parties, two, if you're going to ask them, hey, is this a purse or is this cake? They, they will have background information to know whether or not, you know, it's cake or it's a purse or a sneaker. So don't give up hope on our generation. We're making so much progress on the earlier generations. I have a legal, ethical uh, marriage question to, to ask and to ponder about, would love to get your thoughts. So the other day I left my house to go hang out with a friend, maybe a relative, maybe not, it's not of any, none, none of anybody's business. And while I was going, my, my wife said, when are you gonna be back? Because she's my wife and she needs to know exactly when I'm gonna be back. And I said 5.30. Now, as I'm leaving the house, I actually take my daughters with me to go to this friend's house so that when I'm hanging out with my friend, uh, they could run around my friend's house and watch TV or whatever it is that they do inside the house while I'm hanging out with my friend. Now, 
I told my wife I'll be back at 5.30, but I also ended up taking kids with me. So my question is, according to Geneva Conventions or an unspoken, unwritten rule, does the fact that I ended up taking kids with me, so my wife got a break from those kids, does that automatically give me a 15-minute buffer, like 5.45? Is that the new 5.30? Or is it necessary for me to communicate that with my wife and say, hey, because I'm taking some kids, I'm going to be back a little later? I don't know what the answer is. Maybe we'll have uh, a lawyer on at some point, advi- uh, some point in time. I do have some advice uh, that is related to marriage. I believe I have the single-handed answer as to how we can save more marriages from going off the beaten path and turning into a divorce and other not good things. Uh, Here's how you can save potentially your marriage, which is on the rocks. Invest like $100 in a couple extra phone chargers. Yes, that's all you got to do. You would not believe how many divorces these days are sparked by couples fighting over the, the phone charger. Like you will plug your phone into a charger and your phone is at 15% and then your spouse will come because there's only one remaining charger in the house even though we buy new ones every week. Your, your spouse will come. Their phone is at 70%. They will unplug you from 15 plug their phone into 70%. What type of person does that? You're at 15. I'm at 15. You're at 70. You will just unplug my phone from your charger? From, 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 sorry, you will unplug the charger from, from my phone at 15 and put it in yours at, like, if this is how, if this is how you behave with a charger, like, this whole marriage is a sham. So what I'm saying is, rather than face the reality about what a sham your marriage is, a couple's therapy will cost maybe $180 a session, 200 bucks a session. Take that money, invest in a couple phone chargers, put them around your house. I will assure you this could potentially save your marriage. Uh, I, I do want to say also that uh, when we talk about uh, marriage and couple's therapy, the responsible thing to do, one, is to go to couple's therapy. Because if you don't need a couples therapist, maybe you're not maybe you're not even married. You just need it. It's just mandatory at this point in time. Now, the responsible thing to do is try to find somebody in network, so you can pay like a forty dollar copay, maybe sixty with inflation, maybe eighty. Uh, the thing is, my experience has been with couples therapy that, although it's a smarter thing economically to go to somebody in network and pay 40 or $80 a copay. I've always found that when we go to somebody at a network, we see a lot more success. And this has nothing to do with the quality of the therapist. The therapist could just be a potato sitting on the couch, uh, not even nodding along to what I'm saying. The reason why I believe 
somebody at a network will be more effective in solving your problems is because at $200 an hour, you are going to work very hard to solve whatever problems you have. At 40 bucks, you're going to coast. You're going to be like, what, what do you mean? It's for just $40, copay. I, I could do this for months. At $200 now, a pop, you're just going to be on your knees just begging, just tell me, please, what do I have to do? These sessions are costing me $200 an hour. I will do anything to avoid paying this. So again, fiscally responsible, you stay in network. You want to take care of the stuff that's going down, I would say go out and network so you feel the squeeze uh, and the need to get things taken care of. Now, a note to people who will be talking to me and will just casually mention my therapist says, yada, yada, yada. And then a few minutes later, yeah, my therapist says, if you tell me one more time what your therapist says, I, I don't even have to be in a conversation with you. I'll just call your therapist, ask him to give me like the cliff notes of what's going on in your life. The other thing is if like, I mean, your therapist says, like, what do you say? Do you agree with your therapist? You can say, like, my therapist says, and I agree with him. Or here's an idea that I discovered because I'm paying a therapist, and now I'm going to claim it as my own. Also, my lawyer says, my accountant, my osteopath, do I need to know that you have a staff of people keeping you together, whatever together looks like? I mean, what, what does your creative director say, your chief of staff? Let's just have a conversation, me and you. I don't need anybody else involved in this conversation. We talk about, let's say, uh, onto a different topic here, in terms of uh, motivation of making a lot of money one day. Merit Hashem, knock on wood. Uh, I do have motivations. Uh, ambitions to make a lot of money and uh, my end goal like like where am I going all this like what is what what is the the apex here of what I'm going for I want to make so much money that one day when my children are the age of getting married it'll be time to marry off one of my children and my wife and I will be able to afford a destination wedding. Why, you ask? Because it will give me the opportunity to call my friends who are either poor or less, uh, have no financial means, and just be honest with them and just say, listen, We've had you at Simchas before, but at this point, I'm in a different league, dude. My wife and I, we have a lot more money than you do. We don't want our piker friends at this wedding. So either get yourself a loan or borrow from a gamach and show up or just follow us on Instagram because only our rich friends are going. Uh, and then just mic drop. Uh, the other thing we can do, uh, God willing, in Mirza Shem, one day, 
when we strike it big and make destination wedding is we can call our poor friends and tell them, hey, listen, we know you're poor, we're rich, we have a destination wedding. Now, what we're gonna do is, we're gonna do a raffle for our poor friends and just submit your name, your family name. One of you, one of you poor people, we were gonna pay for your hotel and flight. Uh, but at the same time, you will have to be the mashkiach during the wedding. You can come out for the last dance. Other than, other than that, we want you in the kitchen checking the vegetables while us, the people who have worked hard and have earned the right to be at this wedding can enjoy it. Thank you very much. Uh, now, uh, for those of you who vape, uh, I want to say that your little trick of hiding your vape in your hand and pretending like it's not there so you can just walk around and you know pretend like you're coughing in your hand and sneak a little vape it's so transparent there are billows of smoke you know emerging from your face you can't hide that there's a vape there are literally clouds on top of your head there's about to be a thunderstorm from those clouds. So I don't understand why you have to pretend you don't have a vape and like you're just, you know, you're talking into your hand and there's a fist around that vape. Like where did, the, where did the, the, those clouds come? It's a sunny day and we're indoors. Uh, it's obvious. What I'm just saying is if you have a vape, like just, just be open about it. Like, don't, don't hide it. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people, people got stuff going on. It's all, it's all good. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about uh, one of the things that we're really up in arms with in our household. Uh, we are just going through Ami Magazine, different ads, and trying to figure out which Pesach program we want to go to, assuming we win a lottery of decent size before Pesach. Uh, on the one hand, you have the Pesach at the Equinox Resort in Manchester, Vermont, where you have Yoni Z who's gonna be there as a singer. See, so I wanna be there. There's also tennis courts there. The tennis courts are non-gabrachs. There's an illusionist and there's a mentalist. So yeah, I wanna go to that program. However, at the same time, from April 14th to April 24th, there is Pesach at the Altair Hotel, which is in Bay Harbor, Florida. Now, they don't have an illusionist. They don't have a mentalist. Yoni Z is not there. The tennis courts are not Gebrachs, or they are Gebrachs, actually. But Yaakov Shweki is going to be there. Rabbi Eli Mansour is going to be there. And the ad says both of them are going to be there for the entire Yamtif. Meaning, these guys aren't going to check out on Cholomite. They're there from the beginning till the end, till Mashiach Suda. So... Yeah, I want to be there. The other thing is, the ad says there will be a lavish tea room. Now, if the ad would have said there's a tea room, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to that program. I love Rabbi Yaakov Shweki and Rabbi Eli Mansour, and I know they're going to be there for the whole Yamtif, and I know there's a tea room, but that don't impress me much. But a lavish tea room? I don't know. I don't know. This is difficult. Finally, we have Pesach 
in Hunter. This is in Tannersville, New York. What really caught my eye is, one, there's a piece of meat there on the picture. So basically, uh, there's not even a picture of a hotel room or water or fitness room. There's just a picture of meat. And on top of it is an outline of mountains, I guess. There are mountains of meat. And what this ad tells me is, one, there's a geschmack about tefillah. Now, when I'm thinking about planning my vacation and I got a lot of money in my pocket, the first thing I think about is geschmack and baltfila. So this ad caught my eye. The second thing is that this one has is Yitzi Erps with live game shows. Again, big toss-up between one, Pesach and Hunter, 5782, got the piece of meat, mountains on top, Yitzi Erp live game shows, geschmack about filas. Second one, Altair Hotel, you got Rabbi, you got Yaakov Shweki, Rabbi Eli Mansur. They're not just staying. They're there for the whole yomtif. Also, there's a lavish tea room, which means it's more than just mint raspberry tea. They probably have also other things going on there too. Maybe somebody with a violin. On the other hand, you have Pesach at the Equinox Resort in Manchester, Vermont. You got a, a Nangerbrochs tennis court, Yoni Z, an illusionist, a mentalist, and there's a bunch of speakers. Some have black hats. A couple guys are clean-shaven. It's a good mix. I just don't know what to do. Uh, let me know what you guys are doing. Uh, somebody mentioned to me that in Crown Heights, there is a hat store called Primo. And what I found out is that Primo sells CBD gummies, obviously with a hechsher. That's genius. And years ago, I remember shopping for a hat, a kapata, and I was just thinking to myself, if somebody would just sell kosher CBDs to me together with a hat, a kapata, and a shirt, I'll buy the whole thing, I'll take the whole package, because usually I will buy a, a black hat from a store, a hat store, and then I'll have to go to a drug dealer, say, can I get drugs? I want to hide them in my hat so when I go to shul, I have easy access to them drugs. But the fact that it's a one-stop shop at this point, almost like Kosher Kingdom, but here, I got the hat. I got the drugs in the hat. Boom, let's just go straight to shul right now. Uh, let's make it happen. Uh, let's see what else uh, we can do. I wanted to read an ad uh, for a car leasing agency. There's no particular car leasing agency that I have in mind. This is for all car leasing agencies in the world. I want to give you the sales pitch right now. Use the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Uh, you may get a 25% discount. You may, have to you may have to pay for shipping of the vehicle extra. I don't know. It depends how they're going to roll with it. Here's, here's our ad pitch. Uh, come to our showroom we we might have a car for you these days uh i think next week on tuesday there's going to be a car on the lot one car there are a lot of people showing up so uh what we're going to do is we're going to arm wrestle for that one available vehicle on the lot uh it's it used to cost 400 dollars uh for this vehicle uh, just because of you know COVID and shortage and you know shortage and 
COVID, supply, you know, same supply chain. Uh, it's going to be about 1500 bucks for this vehicle. And like I said, like, we don't really need your business uh, because because of shortage in supply chain. It's, it's just 1500 bucks. Like, uh, uh, actually, somebody, somebody just, just took that car off the lot. So there are no cars. And uh, if you keep calling us, mention the Shmuel Tendinals podcast. And uh, we, maybe we'll put you ahead of the line if something comes. And uh, again, we don't really, don't really need your business uh, because of COVID. Life is just different right now. Supply chain issues. We are nearing the end of this podcast. Somehow I've managed to keep it going for 40 minutes strong. And what I wanted to tell you is I wanted to end off with something, two uh, serious things. And I know some of you are going to be uh, upset. Like, how dare you? How dare you say something serious? This is, this is a comedy podcast. Don't shove your serious things in here. But I want to uh, share two, two, two things that I, that I learned. Number one, with the rising cost of everything and the sense of, oh, no, what's going to be? What I've been doing in the last couple of months is having coffee with some of my old friends, childhood friends. It's been great because while things today may have gone up in value, you don't have to pay money to maintain old friendships. And it's been kind of nice and refreshing to rekindle some of that. I highly recommend it. The second thing is, I truly believe that things are a lot better than they seem. It's just that the things that we consume, if you look, if you go to iTunes or anywhere else, you look at kind of the top listen to podcasts, shows, or episodes, you'll see they're all either true crime, Ben Shapiro, The Daily, this morbid crime show, the, the other morbid crime show. You'll also see on Netflix, if you look at kind of the top 10, you know, some are going to be, you know, violent and things like that. There really is a lot of good things happening out there. You just have to uh, figure out how to, to find them. This podcast being one of them. Literally, this podcast is saving the world. So I know it's a crazy idea to float that things are actually better than we think they are. But I truly believe so, and I know so. Anyways, it's been nice hanging out with you for 43 minutes. I look forward to being together with you next week. I actually have a couple guests uh, lined up for next week and the week after and the season after that. And uh, I hope uh, you will join me then. Have a wonderful day. And remember, if you're from a, a massive from family, massive, just give the admin a link to this podcast and drop it in there like it's nobody's business. Thank you.